0: Good morning to each of you this morning. It's uh, good to be here. Found our. I uh, was enjoyed the Sunday school hour. I remembered what Mark said. What the last time I was here two years ago, I remembered his opening illustration. I don't think I'm going to forget this morning's either. But I was I was blessed by by Sunday school. I'm teaching separation, nonconformity, and the first four days we spent on what it means to be a Christian or leaving one kingdom to go to the next and and just kind of laying the foundation of why we're separate. And and Friday we got to the practical things and we got to Luke chapter 12. And uh, how do you do that? How do you do that, literally live that out in day-to-day living? And I shared a practical thing the way I do it and they're like, What? What? You're crazy! Uh, I got back to the teacher's study, and Wendell says, he's teaching this lesson this morning. How do we do this? And we beat it around. Um, may God give you grace as you practically live that out. And I'm not saying you have to do it like me. I'm just, that's Jeff. So uh, after my class agreed with me on all the biblical principles, when I got to practice then that first day I just lost it. Now they think I'm a radical, I think. But anyhow, had good discussion. Uh, This morning, that's not my topic this morning, this spring I was, um, I've just been impressed the last few months about the need for unity and of God's goals for us, and uh, this spring I was reading through John 17 in my personal devotions, and I read it one day, and then I read it the next day, and then I read it the next day, and I don't know how many days I read through John 17. John 17. And as a result of that, I spent several weeks speaking, preaching through some of the points in John 17. So I'd like to share some of that with you this morning. Imagine if you were Christ and you had prepared for thousands of years knowing that you were coming to the earth to give your life here. You've lived here. (coughs) You live. (coughs) Excuse me. you've lived here on the earth for 30 years before you engaged in your ministry, you've ministered for three years, you're emotionally, physically exhausted of giving yourself, and you have a handful of followers that are going to carry on the message, what would you want them to know? What would you want them to do? Obviously, he's been telling them that for three years. But in chapter 17 of John, you find Christ pouring out his heart to the Father with his desire and his goals for his followers. Verse 3 is that they may know thee. Verse 15, that they may be kept from the evil one. Verse 21, that they may all be one. Verse 26, that they may have our love. So this morning I'd like to look at specifically verse 21. We'll read the whole chapter, but specifically I would like to look at verse 21. The idea of that they all may be one. Philippians chapter 2 speaks of being of one mind. And I don't have the exact quote on that, but to be of one mind. And we were discussing this one time, where I was in a setting where there's a couple ministers discussing this, and they disagreed with what that meant. The one minister thought it was to be of one mind. It was to learn to think alike, to learn to have the same, the same, to bring unity, to to work together, uh, with the idea that we're we're spokes of a wheel, and the closer we can. We get to Christ at the center of the wheel, the closer that we'll get in our thought patterns and the way we, we work. And I believe that's correct. The other minister was of the opinion that we are given different gifts to balance us out, which is true as well. And so, since we're given different gifts to balance us out, we must needs kind of hang off our side of the hub. To help balance out everyone else. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to all think exactly alike. We need some difference of thinking, and so it's good if we have this difference of thought and we, we kind of hang out here. Well, that, that is true that we, we are given different gifts. But if my point is that I need to hang off over here to balance out this guy over here, uh, that's going to create some tension. You know, I do not disagree with my wife just so that we can have a different perspective on life. Uh, we have enough things, we have challenges in working through things already. If you're married, you know how that is. You don't need to purposefully be, some, be obstinate just to make a point. You don't need to do that. Of course, then the challenge is, so how do we, how do, we do this? How do we bring our differences together? And, you know, We can use the classic example of the gift of mercy and the gift of prophecy. And, and the prophet, it looks perfectly clear to him. He, he understands exactly what he means and why it works this way. And the merciful guy, he knows exactly what it means and why it works this way. It's it's black and white to him. Now the merciful guy thinks he's in quite black and white, but he is too. And and they're over here, and they're over here, and they're just going like this. And and Jesus says, I want you to come together, and I want I want you to work together. <coughs> we need each other, and we're given diff, gifts, different gifts for different needs. Let's go to John chapter seventeen this morning. I'd like to read it and. And read it in the light that this is Jesus' goals for you, okay? This is, his, this is the heart of the master teacher. This is the heart of the best minister that ever lived. This is the Son of God, and these are his goals for us. So read it in that, in that light this morning. John chapter 17, beginning verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father... The hour is come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world, thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I am come out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou gavest me, for they are thine." And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak In the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Verse 21, 22, 23 there speaks of, of being one. <clears throat> and I, I neglected to have this anywhere else in my notes, so before I forget, I want to come back to this. The whole point is, the end of verse 21, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. That the world may believe. The, the, point, of, the point of having a united church is not just to make it easy on Dennis. That's not the point of the united church point of United Church is that the world may know. The world is diverse. The world is divided. Homes are divided. Families are divided. It's chaos and we should be a haven of rest where the world may know that Christ is God and we are followers of his. I would like to look at three, three points this morning. Godliness, goals, and governance. The first one I look at this morning is godliness, and we'll find this in verse 11. And I have no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to the Holy Father to keep them through thy name, the end of the verse, that they may be one, how? As we are. Jesus' goal is that we are perfectly joined together as him and the Father are. Now that is a very high goal. That, that is like unattainable. But this isn't my idea. This is what Jesus said. Jesus' prayer is that we would be just as one as they are. The margin in my Bible there says, Oneness with the Father. So we could be, Jesus and the Father are one, and the goal is that we could be one with the Father as well. We could be united in godliness. This is the greatest of the three things I'm going to look at this morning. This is, This is true unity, true oneness, and the others work out of this. This is your identity. This is Christianity. This is what happens when you become a Christian, that you become a child of the Father. You become one with the Father. This is the definition of being a Christian. This is what happens when... This kind of unity is what happens when you're walking through a city and you know absolutely nobody there, and you see someone and you say... I think that's a brother in the Lord. I was in the outdoor store here last fall and and uh getting my hunting license and whatever and and uh here here comes this this man in and just I don't think I'd ever seen him before, but I just said there's something about that guy i he had some boys there with him and I just ah, i I think that's a believer that's what this that's what this unity is here this we're united by. By godliness, you don't know them, you don't know anything about them, but you sense this connection. Um, I and them, and thou and me, and it brings this this bond together. This is what happened when I went to Romania when I was a teenager. With went on a building crew one time, went into churches where we couldn't speak the language, didn't have a clue what they were saying. But there was a bond there. There was something. There was a connection that you felt with these people. I have a Ukrainian neighbor. I plow snow for him, and I. We can't converse very much. He knows enough that twenty-five dollars is how much it costs to plow his driveway. And they come and he's like two. Yep, that's right, two. So he gives me fifty dollars, and we get that far. And and then he'll say, God bless you. We get that much. And I tried to tell him the other day we're going to go Christmas killing. And I said, and we always come sing for him. And I said, uh, going to sing. And he's like, eh. So I'm like joy to the world. Oh yeah! Then it pops up and <laughs> says, tonight. Oh, okay, tonight. Yes, he got that. But there's a bond there. There's a connection there that we have, even though we we can't communicate in any way. But we there's this bond of of godliness. This is what I recall when I was a little boy and I went to Irvin Chance's funeral in Red Lake, Ontario. And Sam Quill was a pastor of Picandia, and he came. And I don't remember what. You know, I'm gonna say he had blue jeans, a flannel shirt, and some kind of old nondescript bill cap. I remember the bill cap. But he was the preacher there, and he came to the graveside, and I remember he took his hat off and he bowed his head and he prayed in O. G. Cree, couldn't understand a word he said, but he was a brother in the Lord. That's this connection. This is this is godliness different culture, different languages, but yet we still have this connection. This can be subjective and somewhat. We see someone say, well, I think we, we feel maybe, but we're, we're not sure. This connection, take this the right way, but this connection can cross denominational lines. And here's the example I'll use. So we went to Romania and we felt, very, we felt connected, that we were blessed to be there. Christian Aid went over there, and we were with Christian Aid. They felt the same way. And a few years later, um, John Stolzfuß was saying that they had started a church there. I said, John, I got a question. We really felt connected with the people there. Why are you starting a, another church? What's you know, why why can't we just fellowship there? Well, he says, as they got to know the people, there were some doctrinal differences that they they couldn't quite connect on. So we felt connected with them. We felt they were brothers, but we didn't see it quite the same way. Not that they were wrong, but they just choose to do it different. But again, I would say as we come closer to that hub, closer we would, we would come closer together. And we'll, we'll define that a little bit later on. This oneness with the Father then is the basis of church. That's why we get here together and we unite together as church. It's a thing that brings us together. And when we have difficulties in church, they are not merely personal character quirks, personal um, personality quirks. let's put it that way. Difficulties in church are not just because we just can't get along. These differences in church can be resolved with oneness with the Father. Okay? I better believe that. And if we cannot resolve differences between us, it is because of our humanness, it is not the fault of Christianity. Do you believe that? If we have differences, it's not because Christianity doesn't have the answers, it's because of our humanness getting in the way. And it's not to say that we're all going to be identical Christians. We're all going to look exactly the same. But the underlying unifying factor of the church is, is oneness with the Father. And this should be a goal that we should all be striving for. And this is the greatest of the three things I'm going to speak of this morning. The second one that I want to speak on is, is to be one in goals. Turn to uh, to, uh, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, I want to read the first three verses. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, which which was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menon, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. These men here were united in their goals. United in in their vision, in, in their purpose. And actually it doesn't say that they came together with a goal, but it says that they came together and prayed together and fasted together, and as they did that, they got a united vision. The Spirit said to them, "Do this." And so they, they united around that vision. I believe that each congregation should have a goal, should have a vision. What's your purpose in being here? In Pennsylvania, there's a church near Bald Eagle Boys Camp. That church was established for the purpose of providing a place of fellowship for the staff. That was the original goal for the church. That's why they they put it there. Midwest Fellowship. Do you know how Midwest Fellowship was formed? What's the purpose of Midwest Fellowship? Maranatha Maranatha Bible School. That was the purpose of Midwest Fellowship. That was the original goal of that. Northern Light Gospel Mission, which is where our Our church started there at Black River. Its goal, the goal of the mission, was church planning. That was their focus. That's what they tried to do. In contrast, Northern Youth Programs at Dryden is not a church planning mission. Their goal is to come alongside and work with the existing churches. Now, they both have valid goals, but they're different. We as churches need to have a unified goal or purpose. We need to work together. TGS Ministries with, in Ohio has a goal of raising funds for Christian aid. They print books. They facilitate printing of books, um, not just the books that they sell. I understand they facilitate other books as well. But the goal is it's a profit organization to funnel money to Christian aid. That's their goal. I've never been there, but I understand Bethany House Publishers in in up uh, by Minneapolis. It is a. I've its ai it has been years since I heard this, but it was a uh, a complex. I believe people lived there. They had a school there. They had a publishing house, but the whole thing was to raise money for missions. And so they they lived in community. They had the whole thing is geared to save as much money as they can to give it to missions. Okay. That was their goal. That's what they decided to do. On the other hand, if your goal is to be the mission, now I really have a problem with a mission church. Okay, we all every church should be a mission church. Okay, so let me get that out here right away. But if but if your goal is to be the mission, so if you're if you're Bethany House Publishers and you're doing all these things to make all the money you can in your publishing and to save everything you can so you can send it over to the missionary. That's one thing, but if you're the missionary and your goal is you're working all you can and making all this money to send it off somewhere else, it isn't going to develop your, your work there very well. So if you're a mission, you're maybe you're not going to work at all, in, as in making money. Your focus is on something else. Every church needs a mission, a goal, what they're, what they're aiming for. It does not work well if half of the church supports the Christian school, and the other half of the church is there because they want to go fishing and hunting in northern Minnesota. That's their goal: is to go fishing. And the other half is trying to have a school. It doesn't doesn't work too well. It takes the whole church to have a school. Some churches, I don't know how you guys do here, but I was in a, I attended a church for when I was a young person and. And so you take an offering for the school and only the people that had children in school gave money to the offering. And some people homeschooled so that they didn't have to pay tuition because they were trying to save money. And then their students weren't being trained very good because it was just kind of it was the cheaper way to do it. And so finally the church said, okay, the school is a church ministry. Everybody puts money in the offering. Everybody pays, the I think they divvied it up actually. Everybody pays the same if you send your child to school, if you don't send your child to school. If you want to homeschool, and that's fine. You know, we'll help pay for curriculum. But it's the whole church together. It's it's a whole ministry. Vacation Bible School. It's a church ministry. It's not that, well, you know, Hoover has a has a vision for it and he heads it up every year and he tries to recruit all the teachers he can and some people just never get around to it. It's a church ministry. You can't have a work day where only half the people show up and the other half go and do what they want to do. It doesn't do good for morale. A church needs to be united in its in its goal in its in its missions. You'd have a real challenge if you took the mission the goal of TGS in Ohio and tried to put it in another organization somewhere else cuz they're set up differently. They have different Ideas that they want to do. So one of the things our church is doing right now is we're going through our church statement, and every Wednesday night, after prayer, we get through maybe one point, maybe two if you have a really good night, but not. Jen it's going to take us a long time to work our way through our church statement, and we're just kind of reviewing it, uh, possibly updating it if you know there's some language in there. Uh, the other night we was. Do an instruction class, and one of the things it says in our statement is that we don't go to roller rinks. <laughs> What's a roller rink? Hey, know what a roller rink is? You know? Well, that's from, that's from many years ago, so we might need to do some updating to it. But one of the things I said, I said, now let's let's do this. I said when we have on Wednesday night, someone has we have our prayer time ahead of time. Okay, so we're going to take turns, and each of the brothers in church. Leads out in opening and prayer requests. And then afterwards, I want each one to share their goal or their vision for our church. Like, what do they want to see our church do? You know, do they, uh, yeah, just just what what's your goal? And so, and, and the point of that is, is that I want to know what each person is thinking. It's not my church. It's not my dad's church. It's our church. So what's our goal? What, what's our point? How do we want to do this? And one guy got it right so far. He came with a mission statement for our church. Now that was kind of what I was trying to get to the whole time. You know, it was like, bring, bring where you, let's have a statement. This is, this is what we do. This is where, and, and how can we word that? And I your business should have a mission statement. What's your goal? What are you trying to do? And I really wrestled with that. I took over my dad's business, and or he gave it to me, or however you want to say that. And uh, so, what's my goal? Make all the money you can and get all the toys you can. Is that your goal? How do I do this? That. So the closest I ever got is the verse that says, "Do good unto all men, especially unto, unto them who are the household of faith." But I just stopped at that first part, do good unto all men. Okay? So is my when I do a job, am I here to rip the guy off, make all I can, or am I do here to do good for him? So I know that I could do this job and I'll make a pile of money, but it's in the end, you know, in five years from now the whole house is gonna fall down anyhow. So it wouldn't be a good deal to spend thirty thousand on this house, it's gonna it's a piece of junk. So do good. Okay, so that was kinda of, that's a personal way I I did that. I think a church should kinda of have a, a a goal. Kind of a focus, a mission statement. And I don't know if you do or not. This is just something that I was challenged with. So we need to be one in in godliness. We're united as Christians. But then we need a, a focus, a goal that what is my point in being here? And that's gonna vary with churches a little bit, what and how they exactly flesh that out the third word I have is governance and I don't know if that's a it started with G and that worked out for me so turn to, math, turn to Acts chapter 15 I think you'll get the point here Acts chapter 15 beginning, begin reading in verse 1 and certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren, and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying, that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So we have the church years growing, and we have some disagreement about how we should, we should do this. Jump down to verse 22. And it pleased... Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabbas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner, the apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. Forasmuch as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words... Subverting your souls, saying, Ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than those necessary things. That ye abstain from meats offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, from which, if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well. Fare ye well. So we begin to have a, d- a discussion here <clears throat> about how they're supposed to apply the principles of Scripture. How are how are we going to do this? Do we make them be Do we make them be circumcised? Do we Do we make them keep the Old Testament law? Where do Where do we go with where do we go with this? And so they, as a church, got together and they sat down and discussed it. And We under, we, we know the story here. And, and after beating it around for a while, James stands up and says, here, I kind of perceive this here. And it says in verse 25, it says, It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, they were all together. They had this, they had unity together. In, they were all in one accord. This here means to be together in passion. It means working hard together. It's not just, you know, this is, this is our what we're going to do, and as I mentioned earlier, we have a work day, you know, and some of us show up and work hard, and the rest of us don't. Now, this is working together. They were in one accord. It took, it takes work to work together to think together in this way it takes work to get other people's perspectives on things it takes a, some willingness to change you have our church is 30 people we have uh, men's meeting I think we have seven six or seven men are heads of home we have a couple a few youth guys that show up for men's meeting and uh, there's not too many of us there to, to put our heads together and, and we still have challenges sometimes coming up with how we're going to do something. You have a much larger group. That takes work. It takes some effort to come together and and to uh, put your head together. And this, And if we had a different group of men in this passage, could have they come up with a different way of applying it? I think they could have come up with a little different way of tweaking it and said it a little differently but this group of men in this situation in these circumstances work together put their heads together and and with the Holy Ghost they they put their efforts together that they could have one thought one way of, of moving forward and for a church to be one we need oneness with the Father we need to to know his heart. We need to have a common goal where we're going, and we also need some common governance, is the word I put here, um, rules, applications, that we do in our church. This is the way our church would choo- choose to do this. And this could vary. Church is going to do things differently. Collier Berkshire has a had a, a series of of, he taught a class on intercultural relationships. And then he, his home church asked if he would have a week of meetings teaching this class. And uh, it's at Sandy Ridge's website, and so I, I listened to that. And um, so you're relating cross-culturally. There's things that we do in different cultures, not because they're right or wrong, just because that's the way our culture does it. For instance, when you come into my house, uh, you take your shoes off at the door. I don't know. Is that southern Minnesota culture? You take your shoes off when you go in someone's house. I don't know. But in the north, that's that's pretty common. And we went to Virginia one time, and we were invited to someone's place for supper. And we got there, and the Zooks went in. And we all took our shoes off. That's proper. I mean, you won't, won't wear your dirty shoes in the house. And the dear old lady was about, you know, coming out of her skin that these guys, you know, they. You're supposed to wear your shoes. You know that's improper to be in your stock and feet here. You? And the same house, we're sitting there for supper. And this, my my brother probably should have known better, but anyhow, uh, we're sitting there for supper. And and uh, so there's there's the host and hostess, and, and then they had some friends there also from Virginia. And, and my, my mother was feeling a little out of place. This wasn't quite her her where she fit. And my and my brother was like 12 or 13, and he finished his water, and he wanted more water. And he he didn't want to, you know, bug anybody or anything. So he just did like you do at home. And he got up and got a glass of water so he wouldn't bother anybody, you know. And the hostess, she, oh, this, I mean, you know, she wasn't doing her job. And she just, and of course then my mom felt awful. And uh, it's pretty simple. It's not bad at all. Just go get a glass of water. But cultures are different. We do things differently. And so Paul talking about, so how do we, how do we relate as cultures? And so the things that we do in our culture, which are perfectly fine, in another culture are, are wrong or rude. For instance, for a man to cross his legs, such as we do here in Thailand, and to expose the bottom of your foot to someone is a, is a very rude and it's, it's like swearing. or I mean, it's very, very crude. So you would never do that. So do you think churches might have different ways to do things? So he used the example, he said, so if we go into Papua New Guinea and we save the headhunters who wear no clothes and then we want to teach them modest dress, so what do we do? Send bolts and bolts of fabric and sewing machines so they can make cotton cape dresses? Is that what we do? There's no sewing machines. There's no electricity to run the sewing machines. and So we're probably not going to make them look just like we do. He said, so we're going to take modesty and what is God's standard of modesty and and how can we do that with what we have in this culture and we're going to apply that. Okay, We can all do that in Papua New Guinea. We can understand people could be different from us over there, right? We're we're okay with that? They don't have to be just like us? So what if we have street meetings in Chicago and we start a church in, in the slums of Chicago? Are we okay that that's a different culture, and they could maybe do things a little different than we do? Could could we go there? That's getting a little closer to home. That's kind of a stretch, isn't it? that? That's I don't know. And there's some practical questions about that. But now let me ask you this: Can we have differences in churches from Minnesota to Pennsylvania or Virginia? Is that okay? And we do. We do. Our church statement says. Ladies shall be modestly attired. They shall wear a dress. I don't know, whatever. And if necessary, they may wear pants underneath their dress. Why would we say that? It's 40 below. And you're going out and doing firewood, or you're going Christmas caroling, and uh, no, ladies just wear dresses. That's all they're allowed to wear. you can. It's winter wintertime. So my dad's showing our statement, a good friend of his from Virginia, actually the same place we were visiting that evening, And he's like, you can't have that in your church statement. I mean, that's absolutely not. Well, that's not a need in Virginia. It doesn't apply there. It applies in our church. No, we don't say ladies can't wear pants. No, we understand they can wear them underneath their dresses if they need them or something to keep them warm. That's okay. So what do we have? We have different rules for different places. You're going to have different rules in your church here than I have in my church. Just because you have different situations here. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It's just different. And so we need to be united. For a church to be united, we need to be united in godliness. We need to be united in our goals. We also have to be united in our rules. So you can't have half of you living by the rules from my church and the other half living by the rules from your church. That just doesn't work to put you together like that you got to be united in the way you do these things. And so we call that a church standard or whatever you want to do. My, my definition of a church standard is it's simply the way we as a local church choose to apply the principles of Scripture. It's not that it's perfect or someone else might have a better way of doing it. This is the way we choose to do it in our church. Godliness, goals, and in Governance. So a good example of that is Maranatha Bible School. If you come to the teachers' study right now at, at Maranatha, there are um, four teachers and the two deans. We have two men that are are Midwest, I believe. Let's see Eric and Wendell are are Midwest Fellowship. Um, right? Yeah. No, there's three of them there. Eric, and who's the other one? Oh, Nolan. Nolan, by the We have three from Midwest Fellowship. We have two of us that are independent, unaffiliated is the better word you're supposed to use there, yes? Two of us are unaffiliated, and we have one from Mid-Atlantic, Mid-Atlantic Conference. So we're all... I would suspect that if any one of us went to any of the other's churches, we would either... Have fits about the way they did it, or we'd have to change some things to fit in, or you know, that there'd be some be some challenges, differences. We just do things differently, but we get along just great. We get in there and we have these discussions, and you know, no one's throwing stones at each other. Eric and I, we were we were discussing um, something the other day, and I I made a decision, which my class thought was back to my radical decision. My class the other day, I made a decision to do it this way. And Eric decided to do it the opposite way. Now, I'm not saying it was this is my preference, the way I chose to do it, and I'm not saying it's wrong for him to do it that way. But we do things completely different. But we get along. But what's our, what are we uniting around? We're uniting around godliness. We're all Christians. And we all have a goal of teaching well at Maranatha Bible School and, and helping out these young people. Okay, That's our goal. That's what we're focused on. None of us are going to work every day because this is our goal here. This is what we're all centered on. And then we have some governance. We have the rules of Maranatha Bible School that we all do. Some people come to Maranatha Bible School and they need to put on a different style of covering. You know, there's one girl from, from Manitoba. Their church has a different style of covering, but when she comes here, she changes that. Some people, when they come, maybe they have to wear a different kind of dress, change a little bit, or different kind of pattern for or whatever. But we do that when we come to work together. I say my wife and my daughters—they just make their dresses to fit men and at the Bible school. That's kind of their standard because. Then they, when they come, it just it just fits. I mean, so you know, if you have to make your sleeves a little longer than they normally, would, just make them all the same. It, it works. That's fine. So when we come to Bible school, we're united in these in these things, and, and we go forward. Does that mean we? That's the way we all think. No, but when we're here, we work together for that for that goal. And I think as a church, we that's what we need to strive for. We need to strive to be united. First Corinthians chapter one. I'm uh, teaching that as well. And so this summer I started going through 1 Corinthians in our home church just to kind of help refresh my mind. And and chapter 1 and verse 10 just stood out to me as the theme for Corinth. Corinth was a church of problems. That's, I mean, that, The whole church is, the whole letter pretty much correcting these problems. They had major problems. And here is Paul's goal. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing and that there be... No divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together and in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's his goal. The same mind, that's the way we think. That's what I determined, I put down there, that's our principles. We can be joined in our in our principles and what we agree on. And in the judgment, that's our application, that's the way we do it. God's Paul's goal, Jesus' goal, when he was praying to the Father, was that we could all be one. Even as Him and the Father are one, and that's a really high goal. It almost seems like we can't do that, but that's what Jesus prayed for. That's what we should strive for. So may God bless you in your congregation here as you strive for godliness. I have every, I have no doubt in my mind that you are striving to do that which is godly, and as you then apply that in your in your area here. What's your goal? What's your, what are the things you want to focus on? You have a school here. Some churches don't have a school. Do you have, get involved in street meetings? What, where, is your, where is your focus? What are you doing here in your church? And then, God bless you, as you also flesh that out in, in how we do things, that we can be united. That Remember what the point is? That the world may know that Jesus is the Son of God.